to What Would Kay Say? I am your host, Kay Edwards. How is everyone doing this morning? Fall is here. It is definitely here. And you know that as soon as school begins, the weather changes, right? It's a natural fact. School equals cool weather. They just go together, right? But I know most people are happy that the weather is changing to be cooler it was becoming a bit unbearable right some of those hot days that we had over this past summer killer this year we really had a real summer but ironically we couldn't do a darn thing to enjoy it right we were all still locked down and even if we could go out there was no place to go so hey you got to take the good with the bad right but I just want to remind everyone, you are listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, a 5013C station that relies on donations to continue to bring you sweet and savory Sundays, which include my awesome show, What Would Kay Say, New in New York, Young People's Radio, Two Thumbs Undecided, Objection to the Rule, and a host of other shows that are in our Sunday lineup. So click on our donation button. Uh, um, click on our donation button, show us some love. We greatly appreciate it. And we thank you. I think that's what I'm going to start referring to Sundays as being sweet and savory Sundays. I like that. It has a ring to it. Well, anyway, I would like to hear from my listeners. That's what has a ring to it. I would love to hear from my listeners. Please write me at what would K say at gmail.com and follow me on Instagram. WWK say today. So with that, I'd like to start the show. Today, I want to ask you a question. And you'll probably notice I'm going to be asking a series of questions throughout this day today. But today I want to ask, I want to start off with the question of how many of you have a problem with forgiving someone when they have done you wrong? Right? Now take a moment to think about it because I know me at one time in my life, I had a huge issue with forgiveness. 
I didn't want to forgive anyone and I didn't want to give everybody a, anybody a pass. I mean, not saying that I didn't, if they said they were sorry, I was like, yeah, okay, you're sorry. Mm, yeah, no, I wasn't really with that. But to be honest with you, it wasn't until I was in need of some deliverance that I actually needed God to forgive me for my trespasses that I had committed against him, that I understood what forgiveness was all about, right? So our topic today, forgiveness, okay? And how it's actually, it's a good thing for you and for the other person, but more for more so for yourself. So as usual, I'm reading from the New King James Version. And we're going to start with Mark eleven twenty five, And that reminds us that, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses, right? So you won't be able to pray effectively if you're not able to forgive someone who has wronged you. Because in one breath, you can't be asking God to fulfill everything that you are seeking. And we know that the prerequisite to prayer is we ask God to forgive us of our sins, right? And then with the next breath, you're like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to accept his or her apology. They never mean what they say, right? I don't believe nothing they say. Anything that comes out of their mouth, I don't believe it. So when they say they're sorry, I don't believe it. But if you can so easily not forgive someone, why should God forgive you? I mean, just think about it. How many times as human beings have you done the same thing over and over and over? And did I say over and then go to God crying? I'm so sorry. I don't know why I keep doing X, Y, Z, A, B, C. Just forgive me, God, if you just get me out of this, this one last time, I promise I'll never do it again. And every time we go to him and we say those words, what does he do? He forgives us because that's what we said, right? That's what we say to him. We say we're sorry and he forgives us, right? So when we accept Jesus into our lives, we tell God that we know that we're sinners because we've all sinned and fall short and fell short of the glory of God, right? So to confess that we are a sinner, that means you have to know that you've done something wrong, right? Why would you confess to being something if you didn't do it? So you confess to being a sinner because you know you fall short of the, the idea of what God looks at as being the perfect human that he created. So in essence, you're confessing to have done something and so you're starting out stating that you're guilty. So you automatically are asking God to forgive you, right? And we're actually expecting him to forgive us because we know that he's a forgiving God. He's a loving God. He's a merciful God. We know all those things about him, but yet every day, day in and day out, we constantly sin against him willingly and unwillingly, right? But Colossians 3, 1 to 17 tells us, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is 
sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which were here on the earth. Fornication, uncleanliness, passion, evil, desire, and covetedness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on a new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Jew, Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Now, that gave you the character of what the old man was, of what you were before you decided to come to Christ. So now, here's what the characteristics are of the new man. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must do, so you must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you also were called in one body, and be thankful." Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in the wisdom, teaching, and admonishment, and admonishment is and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So now I read all that to show you. Before you became this new creature in Christ, you were a wicked, evil something else. I mean, think about it. Fornication, uncleanliness, passion, evil desire, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out your mouth. Hello. But with all that, we still went to God. Oh God, please. If you could just help me, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. We still went to him with all that. So when we became a new creature, right? Taking on this new man, forgiveness, mercy, kindness, meekness, long suffering. And even as Christ forgave us, so must we forgive the next one, right? It's so true. 
those scriptures allow us to change our characters, right? As we have been working on and doing in our journey, it allows us the room to understand where we were and where we're trying to be. And in all that, how we can, if we become completely honest with ourselves, how we have to not, how we have to have the ability to forgive others for their wrongdoings, right? How could we not forgive someone for their wrongdoings, knowing we had a whole pile of wrongdoings that we had when we went crying to God, right? And all those things were a part of us, whether we wanted to admit it or not. Truth be told, some of those things are still a part of us, even though we're walking in Christ. Every day, we're still battling with one or two of those things that was on that list. We're not completely new creatures. We're not completely new creatures. I know I'm not a completely new creature. I know that there's probably some things on that list if I went back and really looked at it and could say, mm, yeah, sometimes I am guilty of that. I'm guilty of getting angry. I'm guilty of, you know, being upset. I'm definitely guilty sometimes of maybe some foul language every now and then. You never know. You know, somebody do something or step on that last nerve. Some words just may come out of your mouth. But because we're working on being the better person, right? Every day we're working on becoming that better person. So in your becoming a new creature, you should be able to forgive those who have not yet gotten to where you are because you know you're still striving. So there are some that still haven't gotten there yet, right? Not everybody moves at the same pace. So we've trying to move on to be new creatures. We have to forgive those who are also trying to, and for those who ain't trying to, because trust me, we come in, we encounter daily some of those who ain't trying to change. Some people who just want to be who they are, how they are, when they are, they don't care. And even those people, we still have to live with them. We still have to interact with them. And they all the more need the forgiveness because they definitely don't see their eyes are still covered. They're still blind to what's going on. So it's even all the more we have to extend forgiveness to them because they definitely don't know what they're doing. Right? So we should be trying to help them move to the peace that we found in Christ because we're now at a certain point where we have peace. They're still, uh, they're still uneasy walking around in confusion. And even though there's confusion around us, it's around us, but it's not in us. See, there's a difference to have confusion inside of you and then just have confusion, confusion around you. Those people who are still blind and don't see the light, they're walking around with confusion within them. So even if their environment is still and peaceful, they're uncomfortable. They're uneasy because there's turmoil and chaos going on within their being. Whereas with us, we walk around with the peace of Christ in us. And yeah, sometimes we may get down. Sometimes our environment may get us a little like, oh my gosh, this is craziness. What is going on? But we know at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we know we're good, right? We know we're, we're good. So we have to take that time to forgive those who are still blinded, to forgive those who do see the light, but refuse to sometimes act like they see the light or have light within them. 
we have to forgive a lot. We have to forgive a lot of people. We have to forgive a lot of things because a lot of stuff is going to come our way where we will be tested on that forgiveness role, right? Because Matthew 6, 14 and 15 says, for if you forgive man their, their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Okay, so there you have it. When you think about it, if you don't forgive, how are you going to go to God and ask him for forgiveness? You, it, just, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You're going to be like, hmm, I don't want to hear it. And he going, you're going to turn around and be like, God, can you? And in his mind, <laughs> although we know he doesn't do this, we know he doesn't do, hmm, I don't hear you. But he does not hear you if you, if you have that blockage between you. So since Christ died to be that connection between us and God, and he stands there in the gap for us when we make a mistake, we still have to go to Christ and be like, yo, you know, I messed up. Could you like, uh, you know, put in a good word for me? We still, either way, you have to say sorry to somebody. You're either going to be saying sorry to God, or you're going to be saying sorry to Christ, which is also still God. So either way, you're going to be asking for forgiveness. So just to make it easier on yourself so that you could get your prayers answered and you could get whatever it is you need in your conversation in with your father, you need to just forgive that person, give them a pass, not saying that you have to keep letting them step all over you, but give them their space to grow. Give them their space. Eventually we pray that they get it. We do pray that they do eventually get it. And some of them do. So there, now you have it. Forgiveness is important. We must forgive everyone for everything that they do. If we want to be forgiven for everything that we do. So with that, we're going to go to our little music interlude You've been listening to What Would Kay Say on Radio Free Brooklyn. I've been messed up, stressed out with no luck. But every time I wake up, I get a chance to wake up. Thank God I got a chance to wake up. Like a couple steps away from being out of here. Thank you for my granny prayers. Thank you for my partner now. I thought I was finished, yeah. Jesus told me start again. I will party sundown to days in. Making money that I can't spend. I had a failing marriage and some fake friends. I had to doubt my doubts and let faith in. Was broken. God done brought me out like I was Moses. I'm chosen. Woke up Sunday morning feeling focused. Funny acting. Swipe left, yeah. So mama's always capping, swipe left, yeah, no more drama, mm, 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 mm. boy, you know you blessed, last night was a mess, God just hit refresh. I've been messed up, stressed out with no luck, but every time I wake up, I get a chance to wake up, thank God I got a chance to wake up.
in a new Diablo. Father church me like I'm Pablo. Sunday service on the front stoop with a cup of tea in a condo. Tony Evers kicking convo, walking me through my storm. And I ain't grew up hearing gospel, but I got it playing this morning. I done been through this a time or two. I keep going back, but now I'm finally through. I'm like, if I was God, I'd be tired of you. But he be open arms like he desired you. I'm like, wow. Smoking, sipping, slipping, thought I lost my grip and wow. Pull me back and told me I forgive I woke up Sunday morning, wait up on my chest. Had to remind myself that every day I'm blessed. Cause every time I wake up, I get a chance to wake up. Thank God I got a chance to wake up. so quickly it's hard to keep up with the leaves cause everybody leaves on my birthday Kobe, Gigi and seven souls remind me that the tree of life is so uncertain and tomorrow has unpredictabilities as colorful as the smiles that took off that day may that Sunday morning resonate past trophies and trinkets and the ongoing pursuit of more to sober us with the humbling truth my life and your life It's just a vapor. And if what you see is all you see, then you do not see all there is to be seen. Quickly, we leave.
Welcome back. Welcome back. You are listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn. It is now time for Op-Ed. And this week in Op-Ed, we have several things that were going on and several things that need to be discussed. Number one, I want to start out with the saddest part of Op-Ed this week is, well, one of the saddest parts of Op-Ed this week is Ruth Bader Ginsburg passing away of pancreatic cancer at the age of 87 on Friday. Now, all of us was trying, we were praying that she would hold on until the end of the election year. But as God had it, it was time for her to go home. So he took her. He took her out of her misery. He took her out of her pain. And now I'm sure she is resting comfortably in his arms. But now that leaves us back here on earth with the craziness, the craziness of having our POTUS and the Senate and the Republicans in the House trying to scramble for him to name someone to take her place before the election. And, you know, they are going to do their darndest to fill that seat before this election, right? So we're going to have them scrambling to get uh, uh, someone appointed. We have the pandemic and we have the election coming up. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on. Now, just keep in mind, our POTUS had already appointed two members of the Supreme Court, right? Moving the pendulum slightly to the right. Now with this replacement, she was one of the four members in the liberal wing. This, her replacement could move it more to the right, which means that the Republicans would have more appointees than the Democrats did six to three. So now it's like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, you know what we have to do, but we always talk about that in this show anyway, but that I don't want to get to there just yet because there's other things I wanted to discuss, but you know what? I guess this is just as good a time as any. Let's just talk about it right now. Let's just talk about the elephant in the room, which is November 3rd, the big vote, right? Everyone knows that they need to get out there and register Everyone knows that they need to get out there. But now I also want to talk about, this gives me a segue into, because it's all about people doing what they know they need to do, right? In the positions that they're in. We are in positions right now that on November 3rd, we can make a difference as to who gets to sit on the Supreme Court, because I'm hoping that Congress does not let him railroad this next person in before he's out of office because that's what he really wants to do. He wants to name someone. He wants to be able to name someone before the elections come up. So we know that if they can stall it till after the elections, which is what they should do because it's rushed now, you only have, end what, two weeks in September, you have October, no. Let's not rush this, let's take time, let's really vet someone who we really need to be on that bench because they're gonna be there for life and they're gonna be the ones making the decisions 
for the rest of us for the rest of our lives, right? So this leads into the segue of, is it possible to be so complacent about the position that you're in that you don't recognize the purpose that you have to help others? And I say that to bring up the conversation about Daniel Prude. Now we all know, and for those of you who don't know, Daniel Prude is the young man who died in Rochester, New York at the hands of the police. And it wasn't until, okay, let me backtrack. Let me start from the beginning. Here it is. Okay. We have a black man that died at the hands of the police, but this happened, get this, this happened before George Floyd. It's just that we're just now finding out about it. This happened right on, um, let me get the exact date. This happened on March 23rd. And ironically, it was on a Monday. And it was actually nine weeks later on a Monday, May 25th, that George Floyd died of the same um, conditions, asphyxiation while in while being constrained. That was the cause of death. And that was the same cause of death, death for Mr. Prude. But my whole thing is not about the death of Mr. Prude. Yes, it is about that. But my bigger concern is we have a chief of police, right? We have a chief of police. His name was Laron Singletary, right? Who just last week, Automat he retired, his staff under him retired after all the protests and backlash that came out about us finding out, well, not us, but the people in Rochester finding out about Daniel Prude and the way in which he was killed. But now here's my question, right? Because here's what he said on his in his exiting speech. This is what Mr. Singletary said to the people of Rochester. And I'm paraphrasing, but I'm quoting. After 20 years of dedicated service to the Rochester Police Department, I announced my retirement from the department. For the past two decades, I have served this community with honor, pride, and the highest integrity. As a man of integrity, I will not sit idly by while outsiders, outside entities attempt to destroy my character. The events over the past week are an attempt to destroy my character and integrity. The department, along with the community, know my reputation and they know what I stand for. So now I'm sitting here like, okay, they know your reputation and they know what you stand for, but yet you didn't, you didn't disclose that a man, a black man was killed under your jurisdiction. So it makes me wonder what integrity are you talking about that people are trying to destroy? So now there's a body cam footage, right? That shows the police officers detaining a naked black man, which is Mr. Prude in the early hours of March 23rd. He is then, he's naked. He was running down the street naked. His family had called because he was having a mental episode. So they called because they wanted the police to do something because they couldn't control him. So they got, they, they restrained him. 
naked black man running down the street, middle of March in Rochester. You know, it's cold. You know, there's probably snow on the ground. So just, I'm trying to give you the whole picture of how this thing is playing out. They get him. He's sitting on the ground naked. Okay. He's sitting on the cold street naked. They handcuff him. So obviously he wasn't resisting because if he was crazy running through the street without any clothes on, but you were able to subdue him because he sat down on the ground and you were able to put handcuffs on him behind his back. I guess he started spitting and becoming belligerent. Whatever the event was, he was still sitting on the ground. He wasn't a threat to anyone. So they put a spit bag over his face, which is what they, a cloth that they put over people in mental institutions. So they won't spit all over the doctors and stuff when they're trying to, um, cart them from one place to the next. But then later it shows that an officer is pushing his head into the pavement. He becomes unresponsive. And then we know the story after that medical examiners, the medical examiners rule his death, a homicide complication of asphyxiation in the setting of physical restraint. So now I ask, what was he doing that with his arms behind his back, sitting on a cold ground naked with a spit bag over his head that you had to then go and suffocate the man. But that's not what we're talking about here today. That's not what we're talking about. My question is to the police chief, See, that's where my, that's where I want to get down to the nitty gritty. Cause we're already seeing what the cops did. We already know what the outcome was. My thing, when you stand up in front of somebody and you talk about somebody questioning your character and questioning your integrity, then it makes me look back and see, okay, well, what did you really do? Right? So here's my questions to the chief of police. Upon hearing that a man had died in police custody, did you not want to wonder or try to get the facts of how did this happen? Try to understand what is going on. You know, how does it, how did a civilian die in police custody? Or was it not enough for you to raise questions? Because this is something that always goes on in your city. Number two, my question is to deputy chief, the deputy chief under him that resigned as soon as the police chief resigned which means that those cops would have answered to him and he then would have had to answer to his chief. Didn't you even wonder how did this happen? How does this naked man running down the street because the family called about a mental illness, illness issue. How does he end up dead? That right there is the question. Okay. How did this man end up dead? And he's in restraints. How did he end up dead? Right? So now I flipped the coin because you know I'm always with two sides of coin. As a black man in the city of Rochester, you navigated through the system, okay? Because that's all we've been talking about since George Floyd died, the systemic racism that persists and how it holds people of color down, how we're not able to get into the positions that we need to be into to be able to make decisions that affect everyone for the better, right? So now as a black man, you navigated through that system. You are a police chief. Did you ever stop to think that maybe you were in that position, not just so that your family could live comfortably? And don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking the fact that your family probably lives quite well 
And I'm, I'm happy and God bless you for it. But you were put in a position of authority to do more than just make your family comfortable. And that's where my question comes in. When do we become so complacent in where we're at that we forget the reason why we're there is for the benefit, the betterment of others. Because when you attain to a higher, a higher position, regardless of, regardless of what occupation you're in, whether it be finance, whether it be telecommunications, whether it be grocery store, retail, anything, Whenever you get into a position of authority, you're not there just so that you could just sit back comfortably and be like, okay, my family can now live in, you know, and, and we can get everything that we want to get. Yes. All well and good. That's part of the perk, but you're there to make sure that everyone else that comes underneath you is also taken care of and treated fairly. So as a police chief, a black police chief, how dare you not question how this black man was killed on the streets of Rochester at night in the cold, naked and restrained? How dare you not question what happened here to get to the bottom of this? It takes something to be leaked on a police cam and then the people to get in an uproar for you to say you have, and then, and then, you don't even want to stand up there and defend yourself for why the, you didn't take the actions that would have been deemed appropriate. You want to turn around and retire, but yet you want to talk about your character and your integrity. I think you better look up the, the meaning of both those words and see if any part of that description fits you while you worked in that office and in that position. And I want to leave everybody with this as in the book of Esther, right? Esther tells us that you are placed in a position for a reason. This is why you can never separate what your responsibility is. Even though you might not pick up what your purpose is in God, we all have a purpose and you need to check what your purpose is when you get into certain positions, right? So everything that we do is always about our character and what we possess. So in Esther 4.13, it reminds us that for if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And this is what I'm saying. You're put in a position to make things better for other people, right? You don't know who's out there, whose life you're going to affect. I know when I was working, no matter what position I was in, if I saw something wrong, I spoke up about it to the point where I was getting my coworkers annoyed because I was always speaking up about something. But you know what? I'm not that type. I'm not that chick that's going to sit by and be complacent. As you can well tell, from this radio show, I'm not that chick that's not going to say something if something, if it's wrong, I'm going to speak about it. And I'm not saying that everything that I say is correct or everything that I say is gospel, except for when I'm reading the word. Now that is gospel. But when I'm giving you my op-ed, I'm just giving you another side to think about. 
And some people, they may think about it, but they won't speak on it. They won't question it. They won't say, well, how did that happen? Some people just, oh, well, you know, that just happened and that's just the way it is. So we just got to go with it. No, you don't just have to go with it. And if more of us, and this also gives me another example too. When we were talking about defunding the police, when that whole thing happened and everything was in an uproar and they're taking money from the police department and then you had everybody coming out defending the police. Oh, you can't, you know, we back our brothers in blue, rah, 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 all cops aren't bad. No, I agree. All cops are not bad. But for those of you who are on the force and you know there's dirty cops doing stuff out there that they shouldn't be doing, you need to check them. You need to check them before it gets to the point where the public is checking them. Because if you'd have checked them years ago when you knew what they were doing, when you saw what they were doing, you wouldn't have to worry about losing money now because they would have been under control. But when you just turn a blind eye and be, well, we're brothers in blue and you can't penetrate the blue wall. Yeah, well, look what's happening to the blue wall now. It's chaotic. A lot of things are happening that should not be happening. And there's good cops that's being labeled as being bad because when you got one rotten apple in a bunch, if you let it sit there and get moldy, guess what happens to the rest of the bunch? They become moldy as well. So if that were the case, had you checked your own, we wouldn't be here today. So I say this just to say, if you're in a position and you see something is not right, don't turn your head and act like, oh, well, you know, there's nothing I could do about it because, you know, things just, no, every little, every little thing that we do to make a change and a difference in situations. If more of us spoke up, we wouldn't be where we are right now because change comes in little steps. It doesn't just happen like, well, unless you want to drop an atomic bomb like we did on Japan, because that's the only way we changed what was going on in World War II. But look where we have, look what we had to do. We had to drop an atomic bomb on a whole country to get some type of change. Is that what you want to happen again? We need to drop another atomic bomb here in America to, to make people wake up that things are not right? No, you do it slowly. You do it gradually. You do it in increments and you do it when you can. You do it how you can. That's how you get change and it happens and everyone's able to accept it. But when you try to make these drastic changes all at once, of course you're going to become, you're going to get opposition. Of course you're going to get, you're going to meet with resistance. Of course you are. But I, I had to bring that up because when I read his speech, I was like, are you kidding me? You gotta be kidding me, sir. Do you hear your own words? Did you look in the mirror when you were saying them? Oh. <sighs> That's op-ed for this week. But with everything going on, <laughs> I have to calm myself down because I was really, I'm really getting, so because when I hear, when I hear stuff like that, and when I hear people talking about, oh, well, you know, whenever I hear that, oh, well, you know, I'm automatically, <laughs> I don't even know if I could hear, I don't even know if I could have a conversation with you because the, oh, well, you know, is you backpedaling 
to not have to do something that you know you probably should be doing. And I'm not saying that everybody is going to be rah-rah courageous and be out there and speak, but sometimes it don't even take you to be rah-rah and courageous. It just takes you to say or do something. And like I said, the littlest increment, like instead of standing there with your friends, when they're saying all those racial jokes or those, um, chauvinist jokes about women or calling women bees or calling whomever names out of their character, instead of you laughing with it, like, huh, well, it wasn't me. You know, that's just them. No, say, you know what? That ain't right. Won't you? That's not necessary. And if they don't like it, then you know what? Then maybe that's not the type of people you need to hang around. But if that's the type of people that you're afraid of losing out of your life, then maybe you need to check yourself. Where do you really stand in the whole big scheme of things? So now I've been on my soapbox long enough. That's op-ed for this week. But there are dates I want us to remember. September 22nd is National Registration Day. That's the fourth Tuesday of every September is National Registration Day. That means for all of you who have been sitting on your backsides, not moving, get up, go register, get ready to vote on November 3rd. And if you don't want to go out to the poll to vote on November 3rd, then now is, then is also your time to request a mail-in ballot so you can fill it out and mail it at a timely manner so that your vote is counted. Because we all know voting is so important. Another date to remember is September 27th at 9 p.m. CNN is going to run a movie about the life of John Lewis. He is the congressman who passed away on July 17th, and the movie is called Good Trouble. Another date that we need to remember for September is September 30th. That is the deadline for the census. People fill out the census. And Brooklyn, Brooklyn, the biggest borough in New York City, we are always undercounted. That's why we're always underfunded. That's why parents are always screaming about my kid's school doesn't have, did you fill out the census? The census decides how billions of federal dollars will be dispersed amongst the states for schools, roads, and other public services. Fill out the paper. It's only 10 questions. Fill it out and mail it in. You have nothing else to do. We've been locked down forever. Fill out the darn paper and mail it in. Oh, goodness. Our word for the month is commit. And our promise for today is 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And with that, I want to say, be kind to one another, be a blessing to one another, take care of someone that is in need, wear your mask. And until we meet again, God willing, may the peace of the Lord be with each and every one of you. Peace. Safe in the arms of my 
Many cries. 